This is the Living Vertizano podcast, brought to you by The Church at Riverstone, a fellowship of the Church of the Nazarene in Madera, California. Today's episode focuses on the transfiguration of Jesus, found in Matthew 17, 1 through 13. Together, we will be discussing the importance of listening to Jesus in the midst of the noise. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Natasha. I'm Brittany. And I'm Derek. And we are the Living Vertizontal Podcast, back with you again this week. Uh, we're pretty excited about the the verse we're going to dive into. Uh, but before we do that, just a reminder, uh, this last week as we walked through Matthew 16, 13 tw- through 28, uh, we looked at uh, Peter's declaration of Jesus being the Messiah, and then Jesus kind of responding to that of what it looks like to be the Messiah. And Ultimately, we came down to having this conversation about how important it is for us to know who Jesus is and what that means for us. And so this week, we're going to continue on from that conversation, moving forward into Matthew 17, uh, 1 through 13. And this story picks up uh, six days later um, and is uh, another familiar one. And um, I believe Derek's going to be reading that passage for us. So Derek, would you... Uh, Read that for us, and then we'll see where we go from there. Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, They saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Thank you for reading that, Derek. Um, I guess before we jump into a conversation, what I do want to throw out there is I couldn't help but um, see a number of similarities that exist in this passage to uh, passages that we may have read before. Uh, right now, um, we're working through this uh, plan that's taking us through the Bible in 90 days, and we've been spending some time in Exodus, and there are some very distinct things that happen in this passage that mirror uh, things that happened when Moses went up Mount Sinai, like at the beginning, you have Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up a, a high mountain. 
um, kind of reflecting Moses going up Mount Sinai with Aaron. You have uh, them getting to the top of the mountain and a cloud coming down. And, and when Moses would go to Mount Sinai, when the cloud came down, that was indicative that God the Father was there and was meeting with him and speaking with him. And, and that is what you see happen. You, you see uh, from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so you just, you have like the, this string of uh, connections that continue this narrative that I think has been a both explicit uh, and kind of underlying theme throughout the entirety of Matthew to this point which is almost affirming, I guess, for lack of a better term, affirming Jesus's like falling in line with Jewish tradition and him being a continuation of that and, and really upholding the fact that Jesus is this Messiah that has been prophesied from so long ago through the, the prophets and the tradition of of the Jewish faith, like Jesus is that continuation of the story. So I just kind of want to wanted to throw that out first um, to let that be maybe the context from which the rest of our conversation comes. So from there, um, maybe not necessarily in response to that, but what are you guys seeing? What is sticking out to you about this passage? I don't know that. Re- that it necessarily adds anything to what you just shared. But as you were talking about that, and I'm kind of reading the verses at the beginning here that reference that piece of the story, uh, Moses's or Moses's description in Exodus after he encounters the burning bush is very similar to the description of Jesus here on the mountaintop. It says that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And so it's, it's like this really holy moment, this holy encounter with God. I mean, it's, and so I just, I saw that parallel there. I'm not sure what to do with it, but I just, an observation. I also think that we would, I think that we would be remiss if we did not point out Peter's kind of awkward response here to to what he's just seen. Uh, I'm not sure how I would respond if I just witnessed the same scene that he had seen, but he seems to, what was the words we looked up? Blundered? He seems to have... Blundered. Yes. So... Well, I mean, let's think about this. You're going up a hill, mountain... You're climbing a mountain, and then all of a sudden, you are standing in front of Moses and Elijah, and then a glowing Jesus. What would your response be? <laughs> I'd imagine it'd probably be uh, mine. Would probably be a little bit like Peter. I wouldn't know what to say. Um, so let's build a shelter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, the the God statement is is important. the The last portion of it, um, uh, where he says, "Listen, listen to him." And so, 
there's like more than just the listening part. The listening is, is a call to obedience. And so, um, with what Jesus has like shared before this, like it's, it's like God affirming within those men, like that what's going to take place. It's, it's almost another like call to action or a call to count the cost because not only are you going to listen to what he's, he says, but it very well may be that, that your, your life comes to the same outcome. And so I don't know. I feel like it's another like call to action to this call back to this, this idea of, of what it means to be truly, to be a, a disciple or a follower. Well, and in saying that, I think the thing that I thought about and it, probably came to my mind because it's Peter who was brought up like Peter, James and John went to the top of the mountain, but it's Peter who is the one who spoke. So Peter's fresh on my mind. Peter's already fresh on my mind because we've said we're, we've been kind of hard on Peter for a number of weeks now. And last week was no different. We were talking about Peter. Um, and last week, our last conversation about Peter was that Peter missed it, that Jesus had just said something and Peter wasn't listening. Peter wanted to challenge it. And now you come forward into this, uh, into chapter 17, into this story specifically, and you have fresh in my mind this, this contradiction that Peter offers up is then countered by God the Father coming and saying, this is my son, so you were right in identifying him as the Messiah. I'm going to give you that affirmation. I do love him. I am well pleased with him. Listen to him. He's told you some things. He's going to continue to tell you some things, and some things that they may not make sense to you. They might contradict everything that you've thought to this point, and that you're understandings and your preconceived notions, but you need to listen to him because what he has to say is truth. And so that, that's the thing that when I read this, man, it like really stuck out to me was just on the heels of our conversation from last week. Like we have got to listen to, to Jesus and otherwise we get lost down the trail of our own understanding, our own ideas. And even his response, like their response to the way, like when God speaks to them mm-hmm. is kind of different than like when their interactions with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like more of like a reverence toward who God is and not that they don't re- revere like Christ for who he is. I just don't think they don't, they can't quite put it all together. But There's a definite like distinction in the way they respond to to God versus the way they respond to, to Jesus. And so that's, that's kind of strange to me. I mean, I don't know what to make out of that other than to say Mm -hmm. like the response is just different. And so, uh, I mean, maybe this is way like God's way of trying to help them understand that, that even though Jesus is there physically, that there is no difference. And so I, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know really what to make out of it other than to say like they're, their position and posture is obviously much different in the way they respond. Yeah. 
And you know that conversation that they had um, in the previous chapter where Jesus told them that he was going to die. Um, you know that's fresh in their minds because when, you know, God the Father tells them, you know, listen to him, like really their next um, question is about, well, why do they say Elijah's come going to come before the Messiah? So they, they've already got this like, okay, so you say you're going to die, but let's get a timeline. Like what's, mm. what's happening next? Let, like trying to figure out how they can, mm. like what's to come now. Like they, I think it's, they get it now. Like mm. the way that, like the response is, okay, if this is what we're going to do, let's, let's figure out how to do this. I think the, the thing that's also, I guess, a part of this conversation that grabs me, Derek, when you were talking about their response, um, when you go a little further, um, I mean, yes, their response is different. They've been hearing Jesus speak and they have yet to fall face down in front of him when he speaks, but then they hear a voice from the cloud recognizing it as God and they fall face down. Um, and after that though, you have this Jesus, I, I, I want to read it, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And so you have Jesus, God incarnate. Instead of standing over them and giving them a command, he is the God of the universe. He has every right to do that. He comes alongside of them and touches them and says, get up. You don't need to be afraid. I'm right here with you. Like you may have just seen this crazy scene in front of you and heard some crazy things, but I'm still here. I'm with you as I have been all along. And so it's like a beautiful depiction of who Jesus is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And we have, as, as disciples even today, like this same reality, this same God who is desiring to journey with us and to walk with us and to touch us and say, don't be afraid. I'm here with you not to stand over you and condemn you and berate you, but to walk with you. And, and that, that posture of that attitude that Christ has, that love, like it continues as they go down the mountain, as he continues like teaching them and trying to help them understand and not, not share what they've seen until, until he's raised from the dead. Um, and, and, and he continues on in this like, going from this interaction with the father to back right back to teaching mode essentially and trying to help them like understand what what just took place and what what is taking place not just what took place but what is taking place in the midst of them um, so I mean Jesus he continues that that same attitude even as they even after they get up and, and they go away um, and so as you pointed out I think that's that's crucial. Like, yes, their posture was different, but Jesus's response is what we would expect. He doesn't like you, like you mentioned, there's no berating. It's, it's, uh, 
it's what a shepherd does. Like there's a whole lot, there's more than just like, you know, there's so much in, in being a shepherd and that's Jesus is the good shepherd and he's just, um, taking care of his flock, so to speak. I think the other thing that I would be remiss if I didn't mention it, um, that was discussed at our table on Sunday was, uh, somebody pointed out. So at the beginning, what we have, uh, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, right. And we have Peter saying that, you know, I need to make a shelter for you, um, or an, an altar or, or something like that. Um, and then God speaks, they fall face down, Jesus picks them up, and the detail of, of verse 8 is important. When they looked up, so they just heard, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And uh, at our table, it was the statement was like, you know, you have... Moses, who's often associated with the law, and you have Elijah, who's often associated with one of the great prophets, and you have the tendency to see those things and to allow your focus to be drawn to those things because there's good associated with them. And yet, in the presence of Jesus, those things fade away, and all that remains is Jesus. And so the the individual that brought it up was just talking about how there's going to be a lot of good things that that enter our sight, that come into our our vision. Um, but in the presence of Jesus, all of those things ought to fade away because he's all that matters. He's where our focus ought to be and 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 where we need to be fixing our gaze. If we're looking at them as the law and the prophets too, like it's the the missing piece. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that they they were sent to do or mm. to proclaim. He is the fulfillment. So it's it's essentially like they're the base pieces of a triangle and he is the the peak or the the pyramid portion. So um, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that that came before. So yeah. as you were saying that, that's what that's what resonated with me. Well, he's the new covenant. So, you know, God made a covenant with Moses, and, and Jesus is that new covenant. And so this new covenant that Jesus brings kind of unleashes this whole new perspective or a whole new arena for us to, as humanity, us to interact with the living God. And so just earlier in this passage, we hear God tell us to listen to him, to listen to Jesus. And so as as disciples uh, who have come after Peter, James, John, albeit thousands of years later, we, we've been called to this same listening to him. And we get the privilege of doing this through his Holy Spirit, which is with us at all times. And so just as Peter, James, and John had Jesus with them almost all the time, 
we get to have even better than that. We get to have him with us all the time in every moment, in every thought, and to involve him in every decision that we make. And so this listening piece, I think, becomes a really big new thing that's made available to us by this new covenant. Yeah, and, you know, we we as a church, um, every time we gather, really, we we practice this question. We practice what it might be to listen to him. Um, and we kind of understand that there are three avenues um, through which we can hear Jesus speak. And one of these avenues is through his spirit who lives in each one of us. Um, one of these avenues is through scripture, through his His word. We believe that he does speak through it, has spoken through it, and will continue to speak through it. So every time we come to scripture, we come with an expectation that that Jesus is in fact going to speak to us about something. And then the third is, you know, because the spirit lives in us, because we are the body of Christ, he can speak through each one of us. Um, and so when we talk about this idea of listening and the importance of listening, I think years years ago, I would have thought, well, how am I supposed to listen? Like the word of the Lord is rare in these days. But the truth is, no, there is an abundance of places where we can hear Jesus speaking to us. The bigger question is, number one, are we listening? Number two, have we trained ourselves to listen, to hear? And last week we shared the Eli and Samuel scenario, and that's that's a great example of why it's so important to to not just practice the listening, but practice in being obedient in everything that we do to what God has called us to. Um, because even when he may not, like ver- like you said, even when he doesn't verbally speak, he's speaking through, he can even speak through creation without anybody or, or scripture or anything because he's God. He, works he used through a donkey sp- one time. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's why it's so important to continually be training because if we're not careful, we become and Eli, and it takes a few times before we finally figure out, oh, that's God speaking. And so, um, as you said, it, it like training, tra- helping others train is, is super important, but training ourselves is equally important. And, and looking, in, and we shared that a lot, uh, I think it was last Thursday in our encounter group about the importance of looking. And so... I think yeah. it's, oh. No, 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 go ahead. I think it's hard for, you, you mentioned, and but equally as important is training ourselves to do that. I think it's hard for us to really train anybody if we haven't figured out how to listen to Jesus. Because in the midst of that training, right, he is the original discipler, right. you know? So he's yeah. going to do this best. And so if we want to disciple other people, then we have to learn to listen to him. We have to be able to hear his voice. Maybe we're not perfect at discerning it every time, but we have to have trained ourselves to hear his voice so that we can disciple others. 
Right. And practice would have been the better word for me to say, like continually practicing because if we're not practicing, like it, we can, we can get it figured out, but if we don't keep practicing, like it's easy to lose. I don't know. Think of something like, I think like I used to sing a lot and I took voice lessons and there were things that I used to be able to do that I can't do anymore because I, I don't practice like I did before. And so when you don't practice, it's, it's something that you can lose that it becomes harder to hear. It becomes harder to see what Jesus is doing. It becomes harder when other people are sharing to pick up on that. And so, um, even, even, even as we're like trying to disciple others, it's important that we always keep going back to that, like practicing and practicing and practicing because, um, it can be easy to lose. Well, and we can be sure that if this listening to him is so important for, helping us to follow him and helping others follow him, then the enemy is going to be attacking in this place. And so he's Mm -hmm. going to pour everything at us to try to prevent us from listening. So perhaps, you know, it's worth the reflection of what are the things in my life that are making it difficult for me to hear, that are Mm -hmm. making it hard for me to take the time to listen, uh, that are preventing me from putting myself in a, in a, a situation to listen. Uh, because, because as you said, Derek, it's, it's, it's essential. And as you were saying that, the thing that was going through my mind is you're right. Like if this is so important, obviously that's going to be a front that the enemy attacks on. And you look around us and it is so loud. I mean, the discipline of margin I is gone. S- well, I mean, not just that. Like, even even into like the minute details, I sleep with us like a fan for the sound. <laughs> like, there there is always noise. There is always noise, and if we're not careful, that noise makes it impossible for us to hear what Jesus is trying to say to us. If we're not intentional, like, yes, with margin, if we're not intentional with, with setting aside time and and maybe that's where it needs to start, right? By setting aside a specific time where we say the noise has to go so I can intentionally and purposefully be listening to what Jesus might be saying to me. But hopefully like the, the dream would be that, it's not just we only listen in the morning when we meet with him. We hear through the noise. Through the noise, through the chaos, all day, every day, Jesus leading and speaking. Because he does. As we, as we talked about, we, um, uh, where did it go? Shoot. Uh, Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. Jesus is one who walks with us who walks beside us, who wants to guide us. And so we can expect, I I truly believe that we can expect to be led and guided by Jesus on a moment-by-moment basis. But we have to be given over to the discipline of listening and practicing that discipline. Yeah, because even, even with Samuel, he was in the room with the ark signifying the presence of God. So he was even in the room with the ark. There was probably, I imagine it was very quiet. I imagine there was nothing going on and he still didn't know what, like he could hear it, but he didn't, he couldn't distinguish it. 
And so it's so important, even like, even when there's nothing going on. And I like when I, when I did, so I did a sermon on this and we kind of practiced what we do on, on Thursday nights on a Sunday morning, which was kind of different. Um, but we practiced that. And, and my reference was a TV because I like having a TV on at night and like, how often do we go to sleep expecting that Jesus very well may want to speak to us at night, whether it's a fan, a sound machine, a TV, like they, you know, there's talk about visions and dreams and, you know, we talk about, well, we don't see those things, but are we creating space for them? Like, are we creating opportunities because I like to have a TV on at night because that's comfortable because that's what I like. I don't have to even let the world pump noise in. I do it myself. Right. Well, and I think there's some noise that we can't get rid of. And so it's going to be there. And I know we've practiced this a lot on Thursdays because as we're doing these encounter groups, you know, we've got kids oftentimes (laughs) that are running around that are wreaking havoc that are doing all throwing Legos at each other, (laughs) all sorts of crazy things. And so, but you know, we, we laugh about that. This is what life is like. You know, you're going around, you're dealing with all these crazy things, all this madness, all this noise, and you still have to be able to hear his voice in the midst of it. So if you can imagine, you know, having a, having a like prayer meeting and trying to focus and you've got toddlers running around everywhere doing all sorts of crazy things they shouldn't be. And so that's kind of what life is like. So are you saying, are you advocating for us practicing by having prayer meetings at pep rallies? Like, is that... (laughs) Just kidding. No, that's true. And I mean, numerous times on um, our our mentorship calls with Hal, um, there's a there's another lady who gets on and is taking care of her children. And you know, we have our son with us, um, and he's not always in the most easy temperament and when we try to share the first thing we do is we apologize because there's noise in the background and Hal's statement is that's what life is though and if we can't learn to hear Jesus through the noise then we're going to be missing most of what he's saying because life is noise life has a lot of noise even when we aren't the ones introducing it it's there and we've got to still be able to somehow find the way to hear what Jesus is saying. It comes back to this practice. Right. The one thing I think I would add to what you guys said, what you were sharing about, like, you have to be able to hear through the noise, which is true. You do have to be able to hear through the noise. The one thing I would add to that is, I guess, and maybe that's what I was trying to say and didn't do a good job, is that I not to create unnecessary noise. Yeah. Cause like yeah. we, 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 I, we all have to live through the noise. Like there's stuff vying for our attention all the time, but we also do a really good job of creating noise that doesn't have to be there. Sure. For sure. And if we can limit or, you know, remove the noise in those times, if we can practice in the times when there is no noise, it makes it way easier when there, when the noise comes mm-hmm. because you've already, like you've begun to train yourself and how in, in like how to do it and how to proceed and how to listen and how to look for for Jesus in what people say and 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 what we see um and so those times 
when it when we can remove obstacles will pr- help prepare us for the times we are in the midst of all the chaos. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a both and mm-hmm. like yeah. you can't remove all of the noise, but you can help you reduce. You can choose not to add to it. Right. You can reduce the noise to yeah. help prepare for when the noise comes. It's yeah. like preparing for the storm. And I know like I don't want to equate it to storms, but like that's a term we love to use in the church. Like well, I'm going through a storm. I'm going through a battle. And like when we don't have to create a battle, like we can choose to create silence and the space for Jesus to help teach and train us. So when the noise comes or the battle comes or the storm comes, like it's not like, where do I turn to? When Peter stepped out, he didn't question where to turn to. Like he knew Mm -hmm. when the storm came, he knew where to turn to. And so being prepared in the quiet times, helps us to know where to turn when it's when there's a storm brewing. So I had the privilege of being with the kids on Sunday <clears throat> and I was trying to get them to understand like hearing and listening and obeying and how that kind of all goes together and um we have a daughter who is 9 and she is very soft spoken. Um a lot of times she'll talk and we don't necessarily know that she's talking so she's because so, she's so quiet. And we have five kids, so everything's loud, but she's very quiet. And I talked about the example of if Riley's talking and I'm not paying attention, I can't hear her. Mm-hmm. But if Riley's talking and I'm looking at Riley and I'm focused on Riley, it doesn't matter how loud it is around me. If I'm focused on Riley, because I know what Riley's voice sounds like, because I've just listened to Riley so many times, I've, I know I can hear her and I can listen mm. to her. Um, and I think that's really kind of where this conversation is, you know, brewing to. Like if we're focused on Jesus mm-hmm. and we're, doesn't matter what the noise is around us, if we spent that time in quiet, like you talked about, Derek, that we, we've had that time, we know what his voice sounds like, then when there's things going on around, when there's storms, when there's chaos all around us, if we're focused on him, it doesn't matter how quiet his voice is. If we're focused, we can listen because we know what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. In Jackson, Brooklyn, they're loud. So, yeah, I mean, if we're going to equate, you know, in that parallel. They're the chaos. They are the chaos. I think what you said, Brittany, about about having Jesus be the main thing. You're, it's the thing of your focus. I feel like that's where we lose it. I feel like it's when we get focused on, and I know we've we've covered this conversation before. It's been a theme um, for sure over those, these last several weeks. But when we lose our focus on Jesus that's when we do, Derek, what you were saying, where we start introducing more noise because we stop thinking about, well, Jesus, and I'm living for Jesus, and my main thing is Jesus, and my purpose for existing is Jesus. We stop focusing on that, and so all of a sudden we're like saying yes and welcoming all these other things that are noise into our lives, whether it's extracurricular activities for the kids or it's, you know... Offering to build tabernacles. Or offering to build tabernacles, doing all sorts of different things, I guess. You could fill in whatever. I'm, I don't know. My examples are bad. But 
the idea I think is there that that's, that's where that temptation to even begin to create that noise is, is when we forget what our purpose is and what we're here for. And it's hard to stay focused when, you know, a lifetime feels like an eternity. At least I feel like for us now, maybe, maybe for people looking back over it, they're like, man, we got here fast. But if it feels like you, you have, you have so much time, but yet every minute Jesus has something for you. And we've talked about missing it. You you miss it if you don't listen. Be sure to follow the Living Vertizano podcast to stay current on all our new releases. To learn more about The Church at Riverstone, visit us at thechurchatriverstone.org. 